if you're a real entrepreneur, you actually think and create for a living. You don't just do procedures. If you're just doing procedures, you're worth about eight bucks an hour. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have an exciting episode ahead of us. I have a legend in the field of marketing, business strategy, and a best-selling author, Perry Marshall. Now, he's the president of Perry S. Marshall & Associate, a Chicago-based company that consults both online and brick-and-mortar companies on generating sales, web traffic, maximizing advertising result. He has been someone who has reinvented the Pareto Principle and is published in a Harvard Business Review. He's worked with NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs, where they use the 80-20 rule as a curve for their productivity tool. He has laid the foundation on how people can use Google Ads, which today is actually a $100 billion pay-per-click industry. For those who are familiar with marketing, might be familiar with another gentleman called Dan Kennedy, who says, if you don't know who Perry Marshall is, unforgivable. He's an honest man in a field filled with charlatans. Now, he's just written a new book amongst his seven others, which is called Detox, Declutter, and Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination. And the innovations that he's done with this book will blow your mind, will get you excited to learn more. Yet, we're going to cover all the major elements today. It is with my great pleasure I bring Perry Marshall to Superhumans at Work. Perry, welcome to the show. Good to be here. This is a great show. I love the energy. Thank you so much. Well, I like your energy too. We've been talking already with some of our Mind Valley members who are tuning in live. And, you know, I just wanted to go over this story because this book is not like any other book that most people have seen. Usually we go through those 150 pages, yet you had a bit of a change on how this book became a reality and it's kind of being a, a reinvention or a renaissance for people's book ideas. So, can you tell us more about it? Well, so I was writing this book and it was 150 pages long, and I sent it to my friend Robert Scrobe. And he sent it back to me and he goes, Perry, I 80 20 your book. And what he meant by that was I chopped out the 80% that only delivers 20% of the value. So the part that's left delivers 80% of the value in one fifth of the space. And I'm like, uh, but he did, including some graphics, it's 36 pages long. And I'm like, wow, there is not a wasted word in this book. We put some graphics together and it's called Detox, Declutter, Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination. And the book embodies the subtitle, How to Excel by Elimination. Most people, 98% of the time, the way we try to achieve more is by adding something else, by doing another thing, adding another checklist, adding another feature, another bell and whistle. It's like, oh, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more. What happens if you subtract? What happens if you subtract some more? What do you subtract? So this is a book about subtraction. It's even multiply by subtracting. It will create so much space so that you can do what you really want to do. Because I don't think most people are doing what they want to do. What most people are doing are looking busy, which is Mm -hmm. what we've all been trained to do since childhood. 
Yeah, I know that looking busy for the sake of busy kind of gives you that what that dopamine rush of saying like, well, look at this, I've actually checked off my to do list, but we don't even look at what is the impact of all these items are. And I feel like this book probably would have been a manifestation because you work with so many entrepreneurs, and it's typically on the marketing and the sales side. Yet, what was it that was happening? You already talked about people are feeling overworked, they're doing the work that they don't want. Like what was happening in your community that got you motivated to make this happen? So if you're a marketer or a salesperson, the default answer to every business problem is to sell more, <laughs> okay? Make more, produce more, sell more, have another promotion, make another product. Well, I had been doing this for years, as we all habitually do. And one day, it was in February, it was a cold day. I was talking on the phone Friday afternoon and I looked through my French doors right here and I saw the president of my company. We're a virtual company. He lives 500 miles away. I'm in Chicago. He's in Nebraska. Brian is here from Nebraska unannounced. And I'm like, what's he doing here? And I thought, maybe this isn't good. So I get done with my phone call and I'm like, Brian, Harry what are you doing here? And in this kind of undertaker's voice, uh, we need to talk, Perry. Okay. I've been talking to the CFO and our cash flow is too thin and we have too many employees, too many programs, too much this, too much that. This is like two or three in the afternoon. We argued until 11. We went to one coffee shop and then another one and then a restaurant and we went back home and we talked and we talked and we basically argued at the end of eight hours of arguing. I was like, no, Brian, like you don't understand. We're doing this and we're doing this and this is really going to take off with a bang and this is going to be so great. So he went home and we didn't really change anything. And about three months later, it was obvious that he had been right and I had been wrong. And we were now three months deeper into the problem than we were before. And now we really had to dig ourselves out. I start laying people off, discontinuing products, cutting expenses, shaving, cutting, shaving. And we did this for about three months. And finally, at the end of three months, the ship was so much lighter without all the barnacles. It was unbelievable. And Brian had been right all along. And I had this whole new appreciation for subtraction because my life had gotten a whole lot simpler. And that was really where this book originally came from. That's amazing. And I would feel that going through that must be scary because it's like basically killing your darlings. These are all product lines you've worked hard on, you've put together. And I think we almost get addicted to the things we've created. And we have kind of this, what is it? The sunk call fallacy where we don't want to stop anything we've already invested a lot into. I think in your book, you actually talk about how when it comes to work and being busy, there's four kinds of works and some of them yes. maybe not the most effective one. Could you tell us more about that? I realized that we don't even have enough words for work. A lot of Christians know that Greek has three words for love, not one. Erotic love and brotherly love are not the same thing, right? We need more words for work. I came up with four. One of them is called work ethic. 
work ethic is what we think of as productive work. Like if you're an attorney and you bill $250 an hour and you're doing that kind of stuff for the right kind of client, that's work ethic work. Well, then there's what I call sweet life, which is taking a weekend off or going on vacation. Everybody understands that. Okay, then there's two others, and these are really interesting. The next one is called barnacles. Barnacles is very low productivity, OCD, repetitive, what you do when you're procrastinating. Hitting refresh on your inbox 136 times a day, even though you really could check it once or twice, right? Or like some people lapse into bad habits. Like I know somebody who, when he's in a really bad mental state, he will start obsessively checking his bank account balance. And sometimes people drink or mostly people like they get on social media or they get in LinkedIn and they just sort of mess around and they'll do it for hours. They think they're working and they look busy. Like nobody could really tell. The fourth kind of work is what I call renaissance time. Renaissance time is unpredictably productive. Okay, it's where this may work out, but it is under no pressure to work out. So give you a couple of examples. There's a guy you know not very well, and he introduces you to some other guy, and you go have lunch with him, that kind of meeting, somebody's at the edge of your network and they introduce you to somebody you don't even know, 5% of that time, that will turn into something amazing. Something amazing is almost never going to happen from your normal close of circle friends. It'll come from the outliers, okay? But if you show up to that lunch with some expectation that this has to work, don't waste my time, you'll kill the magic of it. You have to just enjoy it. A couple of years ago, I had this writing project I had to do. It was a Saturday night. I'd already been banging away at the computer. And I was like, there's a concert in Grant Park. I am going to go to the concert. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to come home and caffeinate myself and stay up all night and do this. Because the concert was great. You need inspiration. But that's what I call renaissance time. And so we had to create new words for work because one word doesn't cover it. What you do is you steal like barnacles, you steal as much out of the barnacle category as possible. And yet you put an appropriate amount in the work ethic department, but where you put most of it should be the Renaissance time department. Because listen, if you're a real entrepreneur, you actually think and create for a living. You don't just do procedures. If you're just doing procedures, you're worth about eight bucks an hour. If it can be reduced to just a set of instructions, we don't need an entrepreneur. We just hire people from the Philippines or we just hire the next door neighbor or have a computer algorithm do it. If you think for a living, you have to engage in creative space. Let me rephrase that. You get to engage in creative space. Now, I wanted to bring maybe an element of 
how this principle could work in a different scenario. Because first off, I love this idea, work ethic, sweet life, barnacles, renaissance time. And as an entrepreneur, you're very much in control of all these different choices that you can make on what type of work. And at the end of the day, you're very motivated by the results that come in. Do you find that this process is easier to follow as an entrepreneur? And do you have any advice for people who are in the workspace following a career when they look at this model? It's certainly easier when you're an entrepreneur, but even if you're an employee, you still need to adopt it. So let me give you an example. In the book, I talk about there's $10 an hour work, there's $100 an hour work, there's $1,000 an hour work, and $10,000 an hour work. And most people are like, what? What are you talking about? Let me prove to you that even real, ordinary people do $10,000 an hour work. Helen is a receptionist at a dental office, and she makes $15 an hour, which is $30,000 a year. And to her, a raise might be $16 an hour or $17 an hour, right? So she thinks of her time in these very finite increments. So phone rings. There's insanity in the office. Whitdale Dental, please hold. She puts them on hold. And two minutes later, hi, this is Helen. Can I help you? And the person has gone. And they were just about to spend $5,000 getting new crown work. And they went somewhere else. Helen lost $5,000 in two minutes. That is $150,000 an hour from a person who makes $15 an hour. She lost 10,000 times her wage for two minutes. And she didn't even notice. And neither did anybody else. Now, the truth about business, now remember, this is just a $15 an hour receptionist. We're not talking about a dentist drilling in somebody's mouth making hundreds of dollars an hour. We're just talking about her. Everything in business revolves around these two-minute levers, this little negotiation, this phone call handled correctly. In fact, if you understand the 80-20 principle, I want everybody to think about something. I want to say a sort of a bombshell statement. Half the money you made last year, you made in one week. It wasn't all at once. It was this three-hour meeting. It was this 15-minute phone call. It was this trip to LA. It was this deal and that deal. Those five things which came in these little slices, half your income for the whole entire year. And the rest was all filler. True or false? So true. You can probably eliminate all these little gaps in between and realize that all those high leverage activities happen in a very concentrated way. That's right. It starts with recognition. As soon as Helen realizes that those two-minute phone calls are occasionally $150,000 an hour slices of time, think about it. If she has to get together the office manager, the dental assistant, the dentist, or anybody else, or even call a vendor and make sure that nobody ever gets put on hold when they're getting ready to spend five grand and they design a system and they work it all out. 
that work that they do together, that is $1,000 an hour work easily. And remember, $5,000 phone calls attract more $5,000 phone calls. As soon as you're aware, you can't unsee it. That's incredible. And I could just imagine that for this receptionist, anybody who's working in a position that can communicate this clearly is going to be the first person to be promoted and recognized as a valuable employee. (laughs) Yes. If Helen, the receptionist, is always on the lookout for the $10,000 an hour little things, she's going to be running that place in about two years, if not six months. That's incredible. Now, I love these ideas because this is all super high leverage. And when we talked about these different kinds of work, I know in your book, you talk about some principles that work when you want to detox, declutter, and dominate. Would we be able to cover some of these so that people that listen to this already, we have so many things we can take action on. Can you walk us through some of these principles as well? We just covered number three, which is earn $1,000 an hour, at least one hour a day with 80-20 time. Number one is use Renaissance time to gain discernment and clarity. So what do I mean by that? Worst possible way to start your day is this. I'm awake, I pull device into bed and start the death scroll. Worst way to begin your day because you started your day reacting to other people's BS, whether it was CNN, Facebook feed, emails, whatever. Okay, best way to start your day. Notebook, pen or pencil, cup of coffee, prayer, meditation, alone with your thoughts, the idea you got in the shower, the dream that you had. You know, I had the nicest dinner with my life. Thank you, God, for my wonderful dinner with my wife last night. You're alone with your thoughts. What do I need to do today? What's important to me? 20 minutes. Now, here's what will happen. I can't explain it. But when you start your day, focusing in on your spiritual space, ignoring the rest of the world for a little while, it self-organizes. It almost like puts a shield around you. Everything in your day goes better. When you neglect your spiritual space, you know what it's like? I know this guy who does soil nutrition, and he says, when plants are growing in good soil, they don't get attacked by fungus and bugs. Strawberries that have good soil are pink or red on the inside. Strawberries in bad soil are white on the inside. White strawberries get bugs and funguses and predators. And then you have to spray poison on them to get the predators away. Healthy strawberries do not attract that. If you do Renaissance time in the morning, you are a healthy strawberry. And you will repel BS. You're focused It's the most important step in the whole book. It's more important than the $1,000 an hour. 
Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mind Valley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mind Valley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mind Valley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. I'm hoping everybody listening here is just getting a very clear message on exactly what you should be doing differently if this is not already part of your morning routine. And this is something you've witnessed in yourself, and I'm sure you've noticed with the case studies of people doing it, how it changes their life as well. I think here for the Mind Valley community, I mean, we're already fans of mindfulness. And so we're very aware of that, but we slip sometimes we're very human. Do you advise people to maybe wake up 20 minutes earlier? Do you tell them to just like move your routines or at least eliminate some of the other things that's wasting your time, right? Whatever you have to do, it is absolutely worth getting up 20 minutes early if that's what you got to do. Now, as an entrepreneur, what I've done is I've just shifted everything later. Now, you got to do this in steps. I have not missed a day of Renaissance time in seven and a half years. It is literally that important. Weekdays, weekends, doesn't matter. Now, I suggest you start with 20 minutes. I usually do an hour or two. And then my day starts after that. You can grow into that. You can train the whole world around you to expect, oh, you know, you're not going to hear from him before about nine. You know, that's entirely okay because what you did from seven to nine is way more important than what everybody's waiting for you at nine o'clock. I agree. And I've done this as well. Like I've trained people that I do not reply in 24 hours for emails and I've not had any significant dramatic thing ever happen negatively. And instead I've just had a lot more space, a lot less anxiety over unanswered emails. And I think in America, it's probably worse than other places in the world. And I will say, like, sometimes when I reach out to an American, I get a reply in like 10 minutes. I'm like, what? That's crazy. It's never an emergency. And oftentimes you need to let the emotions go down before you respond instantly. So I love the fact that you can train people to be more patient with you, prioritizing yourself first with this renaissance time. This seems to be the highest productive activity you can do. So what brings us to number two? Okay, number two is make your business twice as profitable with 80-20 focus. Now, the 80-20 principle is incredibly fascinating. It's much, much deeper than people think. 80-20 says 80% of your productivity comes from 20% of your work. It's always true. Here's the kicker. 80% of the 80% comes from 20% of the 20%. So two-thirds of your productivity comes from less than 5% of your work. Now, when you really wrap your head around that and you start becoming mindful of there was a $10,000 an hour stretch, there was a $1,000 an hour stretch, there was a $500 an hour, oh, there was a $200,000 an hour, you know, 
I negotiated $500 off of my new car by spending an extra two minutes. So how many dollars per hour is that for two minutes, right? You start seeing all these levers and the levers are everywhere. They're in every spreadsheet. They're in every profit report. They're in every product line. They're in every Facebook account, Google account, LinkedIn account, TikTok video, whatever, all the way to the size of craters on the moon. It's all 80-20. So there's levers inside of levers inside of levers. Let's jump over to step five. Step five is carve out the niche where you're the undisputed, number one, via star principle. Most people don't really clearly understand If you're not number one, you're probably not actually making any money. It's a truism. Coca-Cola makes lots of money. 7-Up makes lots of money. Dr. Pepper makes lots of money. Mr. Pibb doesn't. Shasta doesn't. Burger King doesn't. Most marketers think they're going to go into some market and they're going to be number six. And then they're going to work really, really hard and they're going to learn all these marketing things and then they'll be five and then they'll be number four and then they'll be number three and they'll eventually be better. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. The way it works, every successful business works like this. You find a need that nobody was bothering to meet and you say, well, I'm going to be the first person to meet that need. And you create a new category. Years ago, there was a book called The 80-20 Principle, but there was no 80-20 book about marketing. And Richard's 80-20 book didn't really have that many marketing examples. Meanwhile, I could talk about Google ads and Facebook ads, and I could show 80-20 to marketers in marketing language and be the number one 80-20 marketing guy. There was no 80-20 marketing guy before I came along. I was it. Now, these things are laying around all over the place. And almost anybody can do this. I manage social media. Well, okay, how about you manage social media for owners of Vietnamese potbelly pigs and you know more about Vietnamese potbelly pigs than anybody else in the world? You know the market, you know the customers, you know where the bones are buried, you know which countries to advertise in, which ones to not advertise in, you know where the conventions are and the trade shows and the communities, and you speak the language. And there isn't any other social media manager that's going to do that. Harry, you are dropping some truth. And what I'm picking up the most about this is because I've heard people beat the drum. Yeah, you got to pick your niche. You got to start with a niche. And I think people forget the point. And the point is because you're supposed to become the number one in that niche. And I think you call it the star principle because once you have that star principle, that gives you a competitive advantage, doesn't it? Well, it does. And I want you to notice you're eliminating everything but Vietnamese potbelly pigs. And this is what trips people out because they're like, if I only do Vietnamese potbelly pigs, then what about the dentist who calls me? Or what about the florist that calls me? It's like, well, first of all, they're probably not going to call you. They didn't call you last week and they didn't call you last month. You need to be a big fish in a little pond. And the key is the little pond. It's not being the big fish. You could be a minnow, but if you're in a thimble like 
People have no idea. If you're the number one guy in Vietnamese potbelly pigs, you'll actually be surprised how much money there is to be made owning that position. Look, 20 years ago, I hung out my shingle as an independent marketing consultant. I was the only direct marketing, internet marketing guy in industrial networking. It's a sliver of a market. Everybody in that market knows each other. Everybody in all markets knows each other when it's actually a real market. And guess what? When you're in the number one guy and everybody knows each other, guess what everybody knows? You're the guy. That's incredible. You can definitely expand so much faster when you have this much focus. I am loving these principles and we've already spent some time together. I'm like, oh my God, this is all gems and actionable. We've talked about how to make your business two times more profitable with the any 20 focus. We talked about starting the day with Renaissance time. Now we covered earlier about make at least one hour a day where you try to make at least a thousand dollars an hour. And I definitely want to touch on a little bit of the others one. The number four I find is very fascinating because it talks about building an irresistible product. And I can see how this is going to be applied for Peterville in the career as well. So could we go deeper into this? Step four is create an irresistible product that's a joy to use by simplifying. This is what every successful product actually does. First guy to sell a sandwich for $2. Well, it meant you didn't have to have a cow and grow wheat and have mustard plants, okay, simplifying. But Apple, what is an iPad? An iPad is a PC for a two and a half year old. It's ridiculously simplified. It doesn't have Windows printer drivers and like all this kind of stuff. Let's make this real because people get intimidated when you talk about Apple. So at the very end of this book, I talk about a guy named Mark McShirley and he started a business called Roof Simple. And he named his business Roof Simple after the exact concept that I'm describing to you right now. He said, the roofing industry has been around for like 10,000 years, right? What's so special about that? What innovation are you going to bring to roofing? Well, Mark realized that the culture of roofing salesmen and roofing companies was really antagonistic to customers. They have these things called storm chasers and, you know, when the storm goes through and everybody's knocking on doors and collecting insurance money and these people have very bad habits and it's really actually a giant pain in the ass to buy a roof or replace your roof. And he said, I am going to fix this completely. I am going to make getting a roof replaced a pleasure. You're like, really? Yeah, like really. He was dead serious about it. He started by hiring, like, I don't hire people from the roofing industry. I go find 28-year-old college grads who have a wife and a baby, and I get them. And they're hungry, and they're teachable, and I don't teach them all the crap that all the other roofing companies teach them. We're not going to drop nails and shingles in their yard and not clean it up, and we're not going to track mud into their house. You put a concierge on site to make sure... There's all kinds of interesting details about how he did. But the bottom line is he designed the business to get five-star Google reviews. The customer is going to be so pleased at the end of the roofing job when they sign up that he can, here's an iPad. Would you log into your Google account? Just write us a Google review right now while I go get this thing out of the car and they actually do it. 
because they were so happy. So they're in Washington, D.C. They have 300 reviews, 4.8 stars. This actually brings you to step six, which is build an impenetrable moat around your business. Because here's the thing. The most important thing about a castle is the moat, not the castle. If you don't have a moat, you ain't got a castle for long. I really am not interested in business that go whoop and they go up and then they go down and then they're gone. Not interested. I want businesses to last a long time. The best moat of any business is what I call network effect. Network effect is when Uber gets more riders, which gets more drivers, which lowers the wait time, which gets more riders, which gets more drivers, which lowers the wait time. Rinse, repeat for 10 years, and you would never start a taxi company anywhere if you are sane. Why? Because they have the network. Even in a pandemic, I can get a car in 10 minutes to come to my house. That's amazing. That's for 10 million, you know, venture capital and Silicon Valley. What about regular people? I coined this term network effect for mere mortals. And there's actually 12 kinds. And there's a page in this book that just talks about that. Like that one page is worth a thousand times the cost of the book. But one of them is reviews. Because you're a roofing company in Washington, D.C. Somebody types, replace my roof into Google. Mark's company comes up. 300 reviews, 4.8 stars, and then there's 10 reviews, four stars, and then there's six reviews, one and a half stars. Which company are you going to pick? Well, think about this. It is easier for Mark to go from 300 to 350 than it is for the other guy with 10 to get 20. The 4.8 star, 300 Google reviews is a moat around Mark's castle. And it didn't take venture capital. And like I said, there's a dozen of these. And they're invisible until they're too strong to be overcome. And they self-reinforce. So this is the beauty of the Renaissance entrepreneur of the 21st century, is you can do stuff like this. Perry, this has been a fascinating conversation. We've dropped so many knowledge bombs. I'm seeing people like Joshua turning in live, talk about his mind being blown. This person's dropping gems. If you're listening to this on the podcast, by the way, we're going to be switching over to the Q&A function, which is with our Mind Valley members. So I just want to remind you that if you want to have a video experience and be part of the Q&A backstage with us, you can always go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman to be part of this community. And what I wanted to do is keep that last one really special for people because you go through these seven principles. And the last one I think is one that a lot of people who are dedicated to hard work and are always in the grind might forget about. And I wanted to maybe end on this note. So we've went through these six steps. What's our final step here, Perry? Step seven is enjoy the freedom to create and invent every single day. It is a step. It's not just a cherry on the Sunday or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or a someday. It's a lifestyle habit. And the lifestyle habit is not only do you work hard, but you play hard. And you don't play hard someday. You play hard regularly. Here's the thing. So I'm just curious in the chat box, how many of you enjoy your work? 
and your work is engaging, it's exciting, you wake up thinking about it, you go to sleep thinking about it, you talk about it, your wife gets tired of hearing about it, okay? But I like what I do. If you love what you do, you need breaks, you need a rest. But listen, sitting on a beach, watching the clouds go by is not most entrepreneurs' idea of a good time. Going on vacation and staying with Aunt Millie and watching The Simpsons with everybody in their living room isn't exactly most entrepreneurs' idea of a good time. Since we don't have stuff that really grabs us, we just lapse into workaholism. Your play needs to be just as interesting as your work, if not more. Because how many of you, again, in the chat box, how many of you some of your best business ideas actually came to you while you were pushing your toddler on the swing or you were surfing in an ocean wave or climbing a mountain or you were driving your car down a mountain pass or maybe you were doing Taekwondo or whatever, riding your motorcycle or whatever you're into. Most entrepreneurs are workaholics and workaholics need permission. Now, this is all within budget. I'm not suggesting that you go take a $10,000 vacation and just stick it on your credit. That, I'm not, no. Maybe you do need a $200 bicycle and maybe you just need to go on the bike trail. You know, your budget can stand the $200, I'm sure. It won't bankrupt you. If you like riding your bike and you like being outside, what are you waiting for? Do it. This is why you get the $10 an hour stuff off your plate. It's so that you can do this and it feeds your creativity. And most entrepreneurs are suffering from creative fatigue. I have just a little too little energy. There's too much demand for new ideas and new innovations and fixing things. And there's too many fires and I'm always just behind. And this will fix it. Perry, thank you so much for coming on the show and bringing this incredible energy for all the listeners here. And just to recap this quickly, we went a little over on time because I could not stop this man from sharing these incredible ideas. And this is so worth it. We talked about how there's these four types of work. There's the barnacle, which is the things you're trying to eliminate the most into your life. They're the wasted, busy time. And the more you eliminate those, the more you can create space for things that are more productive. You have your renaissance time. How do you start your day? It's such a powerful way to start so you can set yourself spiritual time so you can be having you know, that groundedness that gets you going through the rest of the day. We talked about this idea that you want to have leisure time as well. So when you go through this leisure time, this sweet lifetime, it actually allows you to recharge. And the work ethic is your basic work that needs to be done, which is still very important. As we went through these seven steps, remember that renaissance time is what you start the day with. You can make your business more profitable by focusing on the 80-20 and eliminating all this barnacle. If you can carve out an hour a day for a thousand dollar an hour work, you'll see that you'll find opportunities. And this keeps your mind focused on what you need to be able to find when you create an irresistible product. That is point number four. Make sure it's simplifying, simplifying, and a joy to use. And I want to bring a dimension for people who are in the workplace is be someone 
who is an irresistible employee with your irresistible skills and be a joy to work with and keep your things simple. So this applies always for people who are in the career as well. As you carve out your niche, remember for number five, you want to become the number one. This gives you the star principle in the same way that in the workplace, become the best at what you do, whatever is your specialty in the workplace so that you can have the star principle and be the undisputed number one. Number six, we talk about building an impenetrable moat. Now we go into so many more details in Perry's book. So just remember one of them is the building the reviews. If you're in the workplace, remember, get testimonials, get references, letters from past managers, colleagues, so you can build up your resume to be the best. And when you go ask for that promotion, you know that there's a lot of people who are out there to support you. And number seven, which I think after all these amazing ideas is a perfect way to close it is enjoy your freedom, create some space for you to be in your leisure time, because these sweet life leisure times is sometimes where you're going to have the best ideas for you to apply in your business. You definitely want to go out and pick up detox, declutter, dominate, how to excel by elimination, probably the most powerful per page book you could ever acquire right now. And we're going to make some links in the show notes, pick it up on Amazon. You're going to want to get a physical copy of this book because there's a lot of imagery and it'll be that guy that you can keep by your side, regardless if you're just starting out or already running that $100 million company. Perry, thank you so much for your time. This was an incredible episode. And all those tuning in, keep being superhuman. You just got a blueprint on how to do it. Thank you. It was wonderful being with you guys today. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver, where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. <laughs>